If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, check out patreon.com slash drink and farm. We have multiple levels of support you can sign up for starting at just $2 a month. And at that level, you'll get access to our outtakes and some other fun extras on the Patreon app. We have other levels too that allow you to get a little something else out of the deal. We just launched a new series called Straight No Chaser for our listeners at the $5 level. So this content is only available on Patreon to patrons at the $5 level or above. We also have levels that include gifts, stickers, discount codes, and t-shirts. So go to patreon.com slash drink and farm for more details. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking this morning? I am drinking a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing too special about it, except it's my favorite one from Ancient Valley Mercantile, um, which is the store that's in my town. And honestly, I need to go stop by there today because they have a fall, like an autumn flavor now and a pumpkin flavor and I haven't gone and gotten either of them yet so it's time to go do that oh my gosh (laughs) so what are you drinking over there so I too am drinking a not so special cup of coffee (laughs) just it's just Tim Hortons which I shouldn't say it's just Tim Hortons because that is the ground coffee of choice here oh my husband is also drinking the coffee he's a little pickier than I am Yes, in my lovely Joy Farmer mug. Yeah, I was going to say we both have uh, not special coffee, but special mugs. Yes, there we go. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Our drink peep this episode is our friend Elizabeth Steves, and she is at Steel02 over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. And today we're going to kick our episode off with a little unboxing of our Hetty and Rue October boxes. And for our listeners that are tuning in on YouTube, you will get to see the items because we had the foresight to bring the boxes to our recording stations today. So this is fun. I'm excited. Bev, what's the first item? Maybe your favorite item in the October box. So my favorite item by far, well, I shouldn't say by far because there's actually a lot of really cool stuff in this box, (laughs) but the thing that made me go, when I opened the box, because it was a surprise, was this scoop and feeder, and it's got a cool little like Honey and Rue logo on it. I love things like this because I feel like I never have enough bowls around. Like, I feel like bowls and scoops are the things that I always need more of. And this is actually a really perfect size for the cat food. Like, I could just, like, scoop and then put it outside. Or I might use it to put, like, a mix of grit and oyster shell in it, like, for the little chicken coop, something like that. So I haven't decided exactly what I want to do with it, but I saw the bowl and I was like, yes, I never have enough of these. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So what was your favorite thing out of the box? 
So I'm gonna have to go with this spooky chicken flag that I'm holding upside down. So it says happy Halloween and there's a pumpkin and a chicken and it's just awesome. Yeah. It's really I cute. like it. And I am a little sad at myself that well, I wanted to keep the box together so we could unbox it, but we're half over halfway through October and this is not in my yard yet. So that'll go <laughs> on today's to-do list. <laughs> yeah, I'll go put mine out at my chicken coop. My chicken coop, I'm looking at it right now, or one of my chicken coops. Uh, it has its Halloween-themed wreath Aww. on it right now, and it's time to put the flag out. It's time for me to remove the loofah off of that thing and then put the flag out because it's gotten a little crazy out there. There you go. <laughs> So inside the box, uh, we also got a package of this Happy Flock. And what it is, is it's like an electrolyte and a prebiotic and probiotic type of thing that you add to the water. Or sometimes you can mix it in with feed. That's the other thing that I do with packages Mm -hmm. like this. And I always feel like these are handy too. We also got Exotic Nutrition Easy Worm Blend. So you can also mix this in with other treats or feed. I do like to do that for my Charming Coop chickens. They're a little extra spoiled because this is the perfect size treat for like a small flock. Not your, I had chicken mania my first year of chicken keeping coop. (laughs) Right. We also got a set of playing cards that have chickens on them. And I'll see if I can hold that up so the YouTubers can see that. It's got an adorable chicken design on them. And I love playing cards. My new favorite playing card game is Garbage. Oh, what's that? If you don't know how to play that, I'll have to tell you all about it. But the kids love it and the adults love it. And it's really good. Uh, (laughs) All right. We also got... A green goo poultry first aid salve, which is always handy. It's got a lot of cool natural stuff in it. So this is really good for like a skin protectant or if your animal gets injured, this will help you out in a bind. So great to have. And we also got a tube of Nick Relief, and this is Stipic powder. So what this is, is this is essentially like blood stop powder. So if you get injured or one of your animals gets injured and there's a bleeding wound that just won't quit, pop the top off this thing, sprinkle it on there, and it'll take care of it for you really quick. I always like to keep this around for hoof trimming for the goats. Yes, yes. Because things happen. (laughs) And nail trimming for the dogs. (laughs) All right. The last thing in this box is a Farmer's Helper original forage cake, which is super fun to have. And I think I'm going to give this one to my meat birds because I still have my meat birds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We've been a little under the weather here, so we did not want to... process our meat birds and then trap all the germs in the meat fair enough that's a thing yeah we didn't want to do that so they've gotten really big (laughs) (laughs) they eat a lot i am not keeping track of the feed to pound ratio because i think it would just depress me this go around because things (laughs) have not gone as planned but very grateful that i got the kind of birds that i did because i mean they're big and they're fighting each other and they're rowdy but they're doing okay. Yeah. So they're going to get a little extra treat on top of staying alive a week longer. 
<laughs> After this, I will go give that to mine also because I went out to the barn this morning. They're still in the barn because mine are only four-ish weeks old, so not quite big enough to go yeah. put outside and leave outside yet. And they're just making a lot of noise. And you know how, like, <laughs> you've been doing this for long enough that you realize when something's just, like, not quite right? Yeah. And I was like, gosh, that's not the noise that they normally make. And I walked in there, and their water is missing. And I was like, what? well, that's weird. Who came in here and took your water? So I start walking around looking for it, and I go outside, and it's next to the hose bib. Apparently, yesterday, I went out to refill it and (laughs) never put it back. (laughs) And they were letting you know. They were. So I feel guilty. But they were also alive, and they were happy and moving. So they didn't seem to mind too much, but they were were just audibly irritated. (laughs) Lady, I'm thirsty. (laughs) Oh... We do have some very fun sneak peeks for the November box. And you can get a hold of your November box by going to honeyandrew.com. If this is your first rodeo with Honey and Roo, you can use code DRINKINFARM and you're going to get 10% off your first box. And you're going to want to do that. And I know we say this every month, but we really, really mean it this month. You're going to want to do that because the best item ever is back in November. And it's those little yeah. handmade salted caramels from the Little Red Hen Company. Oh my god, they're so good. <laughs> oh, they're so good. And we can't find them anywhere. So we we might have to call in a favor to Tina from Eddie and be like, where do you get these? Because like <laughs> once a year is just not enough. They're that they're that good. They're so good. <laughs> the next sneak peek is a cluck o nut. Mealworm Ooh. treat in a hanging coconut shell from Pacific Bird. That sounds super fancy. Yeah, um, I'm a little jealous of my chickens already. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, the coconut shell is refillable and biodegradable. So when you're all done with it, it breaks down, which is super cool. And then, last but certainly not least, there is a new item from Exotic Nutrition Pet Supply Company. That is a bee tastic chicken treat. And it has dried insects, wheat berries, basil, flowers, and bee pollen for added protein and nutrients. So oh. our flocks will be very spoiled with the treats in November, which I'm sure they'll appreciate because I don't know about your birds, but mine are starting to molt a lot. Mm-hmm. And they like some extra self-care and snacks <laughs> this time of year. That's right. We are both very excited to officially be brand ambassadors for Meyer Hatchery. They offer over 160 breeds of poultry, including chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys, guineas, and game birds. And on top of that, they offer a full line of feed and supplies. Whether you're just getting started on your poultry keeping journey or are a large production operation, Meyer Hatchery is positioned to be able to serve all types of customers. Aside from the large selection of breeds and supplies, they also seek to be an authority in poultry education for their customers. So make sure you check out their blog and their podcast, The Coop with Meyer Hatchery. And make sure you check out their website at MeyerHatchery.com. And you can get $5 off your online order when you use code DRINKINFARM at checkout. All right. So today we're going to talk about something historical that doesn't actually have a lot of information. I was surprised because we were like, what kind of 
fall themed thing are we going to talk about this week? And I was like, ooh, scarecrows. Because, you know, after having this podcast for a couple of years, I had to go back and look at what we've talked about the past couple of Octobers. Because we have gotten a little seasonal the past year or so, and I didn't want to accidentally do a repeat. And I could not believe we had not talked about scarecrows yet, because it does feel a little fallish, a little farmish, a little Halloweenish. And I was like, let's talk about the history of scarecrows. And it turns out that actually there's not a lot about it. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> sat down and wrote a book about the history of scarecrows, but we did find an excellent resource from modernfarmer.com. They wrote an article back in 2014 about some scarecrow history and facts, and it was one of the better resources that I found. So we're going to share that with you today to give you some spooky vibes and some fun facts. Yeah. So before we dive into the history, let's talk about what a scarecrow is really quick. I'm sure everybody like knows what one is, but essentially a scarecrow is just an effigy of a person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, look here, me. I am out here, but, but not really a human. <laughs> yeah. They're an effigy of a spooky person, essentially, because yes. they're supposed to scare crows. Um, like, yeah. Is it just crows or is it like all birds? Well, we'll get into that. Crops? We'll get okay. into that a little bit because there were some fun facts about crows in here too, which Ooh, made my heart I like happy. It. I've had a lot of crows hanging around here lately and I'm not mad about it because they're handy to have around for chicken purposes. Yeah. Tis the season for crows. Tis the season. So like you were saying, scarecrows are kind of there to pretend to be people, but actually they were necessary because back in the day... Farmers used kids to protect their crops from aerial predators. <laughs> but, and the kids would like throw rocks at birds and probably make a lot of noise and just do random kid stuff. Like, because kids yeah. are loud and obnoxious most of the time. You know, it's what they do. <laughs> they didn't even have to do anything special. No. <laughs> they just had to be kids. They in just the field. lived their best lives <laughs> until the Great Plague. Oh. And it killed some of the poor kids that were oh. out living their best lives. So this got dark fast. But this actually <laughs> led farmers to use adults to guard their crops, and maybe adults didn't do such a good job, or they were bored. I don't know. But as the farms grew larger, they placed those human-like effigies of scarecrows out in the fields, and thus born the scarecrow. Its symbolism is pretty universal, but the original scarecrows were nothing like you see now with the straw-stuffed icon of Halloween, or, you know, the Wizard of Oz, or the scarecrow from the Batman movies. It's not like that. Scarecrow sometimes would bear an animal skull or rotting produce, Ew. and they were placed in the fields in the spring and were burned after the autumn harvest and celebration. And their ashes would return nutrients of potassium and nitrogen into the soil. So that's pretty cool. I didn't know it was like a spring to autumn thing and then they would burn them. I think they burned them because they were afraid they would come to life and murder them come Probably. Halloween. <laughs> that seems like the most logical explanation. <laughs> I mean, they are kind of creepy. So through the ages, their markers worldwide have fashioned the often maudlin-looking figure to reflect images of the occult, of customs, culture, mythology, and superstitions, or religion. So 
like for me personally, one of the things that I would think of because of my religious upbringing and my spirituality is kind of like the scarecrow hung with his arms outstretched on a wooden cross kind of echoes the crucifixion. And it could be seen by farmers as simply the symbol of death and resurrection of their crops. I don't know. Yeah. But some authors that are with the website Occult View suggest that the scarecrow, in addition to mirroring Christ on the cross, may have originally been a severe warning a no trespassing symbol, likening oh. it to the deeds of Vlad the Impaler, so named for his reported propensity of impaling and displaying his enemies or sacrifice and offering in turn for fertile fields. Yeah. So it's another one of those things where it might have multiple meanings across the world. Yep. And I could see how the crucifixion could be a warning also. Like... They're all semi-warnings, like, don't come over here because this is what will happen to you if you enter this field, bird. (laughs) We're going to put you up here. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, like Sam mentioned earlier, there is no definitive history of the Scarecrow. No one wrote a book about it. No one thought to write it down or maybe someone did and it just got lost or the haunted scarecrows that weren't burned at the end of the season went and got rid of it because they didn't (laughs) want us to know the history whatever it is (laughs) there are other cultures that have used the scarecrow and one of them is considered to be one of the first field gods, like quote-unquote. And they were in Japan, and they were called Kakashi. And that was a deity of knowledge and agriculture, such as Kubiko, who is unable to walk and just stands in the fields, probably scaring the crows away. So. Neat. (laughs) Your mug is so appropriate today, and you probably didn't even know it. Yeah. I mean, after this, I'm just going to put on a flowy dress and go stand out there, chase the crows. Can that be my job now? I do it. There you go. (laughs) And American folk art historians say that scarecrows are in a class known as ephemerals, which basically just is a fancy way of saying they don't last very long. So it's art that goes away quickly. Yeah, like snowmen. Like snowmen, yeah, or food. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) So in ancient Greece, wooden figures of Priapus, a god of fertility, horticulture, and viticulture, were placed among crops as guards. Images of Norse god Odin and his ravens, Hugin and Munin, have also been cited as model for early scarecrows. So no matter their cultural roots, scarecrows worldwide were conceived of the need for scaring things, period. So it can all look different across the world, but at the end of the day, it's just to scare the crap out of some things. So it turns out anywhere where food is grown, something scary was necessary to chase the crows away. Yes. Basically, in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) And in the U.S., their name does suggest that crows are their biggest enemy. But farmers actually use them to also ward off doves, red wing, blackbirds, grackles, sparrows, turkeys, and quail. 
that all want to eat the corn. Yes. <laughs> Basically. The sugary, sugary corn. I, I don't blame them. It's delicious. <laughs> so good. So a farmer's field from planting season to harvest actually supplies wild birds with the nutrients needed to live, which is one of the reasons why they wanted it so bad. Easy meal, lots of energy, sugar. Yeah, we've had this conversation already. And the way that crows forage is they walk on the ground looking for food in the top two inches of the soil. And along with the seeds, they eat nuts, earthworms, baby moths, or beetles. So they've got a keen eye for soil that has been turned because turned soil tends to offer up all of those yummy goodies that they want to eat. So fields are the perfect place for crows to go look for these things and they don't got to dig it out themselves. I get it. Yeah. And young corn is kind of like a mill turning stored starch into sugar and is highly sought by birds. And crows tend to forage in the fields in flocks. So they don't do this by themselves, which means they do a lot of damage. (laughs) Yes. And once a plant has used up its sugar, birds will depart and leave fresh green vegetation for the next fester, such as deer. So birds then return looking for munching insects. Circle of life. It's a cycle. Yes. Yep. So today, many young people may be more familiar with scarecrows from Halloween decorations than the field. Some farmers prefer to tend land the old-fashioned way. However, things like tractors and engine-driven plows kind of didn't really mean you had to keep scarecrows up but on a smaller acreage you might still see see some but for bigger places bigger farms sometimes the scarecrows have been replaced by chemicals and high-tech mechanisms such as a digital scarecrow with infrared sensors that emits ultrasonic waves so wait We took the terrifying scarecrow and we gave it lasers. (laughs) Yeah, we gave it, we made it a robot. (laughs) Uh, Oh gosh. So now they're definitely going to take over. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if that was such a great idea, guys. I don't think so either, but what do I know? The scarecrow has hung on in certain parts of the world though, like Japan. Rice farmers still use them and they go full creepy and use old doll heads and use store mannequins. And you might also see this in rural towns throughout Europe. But you're more than likely not going to see the hayman in the United States. You're mostly just going to see that in films, in literature. But now I kind of feel inspired. might make my own scarecrow next year. I don't know if I'll burn it. You'll (laughs) want to make sure you put the right things in it if you're going to burn it to, like, benefit your land. But I feel like if I made a scarecrow, it would be full of funny things that you shouldn't burn. (laughs) Probably. Mine would be wearing a polyester jumpsuit. Ooh, good choice. That's pretty scary. Yeah, that's pretty scary. (laughs) One of those polyester, like, bodysuits. And I don't know. I don't know what else I could wear. (laughs) Old yoga (laughs) pants with holes in it. (laughs) There you go. (sighs) So that's really funny that the scarecrow... Like, as we know it, or as we picture it, essentially, is just kind of there for storytelling. Like, mm-hmm. it's not really what was actually used. So it's kind of like a like a caricature of yeah. farm life, almost. Yeah, it was Hollywoodified, 
Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. I mean, honestly, rotting produce and cow skulls sounds way scarier anyways. Yeah, maybe we should go that route next year and make our neighbors really talk. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what is spookier, watching creepy movies before bedtime or watching my molting chickens come out of the coop. My flock is looking a little rough these days as they replace their feathers, but Grubbly Farms Grubblies are coming to the rescue to get my flock through this not-so-pretty part of chicken keeping. While molting is a totally natural process for chickens, there's no reason not to help them out during this creepy-looking time. (laughs) Grubblies are packed with protein and have over 50 times more calcium than mealworms to help produce stronger eggshells fabulous feathers, and it helps them prevent another scary situation, which is egg binding. So just one handful of grubblies will give your flock more calcium than five pounds of mealworms, so you can ditch those oyster shells. Get more cluck for your buck with grubblies. So head on over to grublyfarms.com and use the code DRINKINFARM20 to get 20% off your first order. Grubbly Farms is the official poultry snack in feed sponsor of the We Drink and We Farm Things podcast. All right, so now we can dive into We Can't Even Corner. Woohoo! Yay! Bev, do you have a We Can't Even this week? Uh, yes, I do. I can't even that I've survived. No, I don't know. <laughs> survived what? <laughs> Life to this point or <laughs> Life to this point. Can I just can't even about that? No, we had a really great weekend this weekend. It was our fall festival of leaves, which happens in our town every year, except last year because of COVID. And it was really exciting to have it back and just like do all these cool things in the town. One of the things, Sam, you would really like it was the Chaos Film Festival. It was like Ooh. horror movies and We did them on a big screen on, like, our historic stage, and it was totally and completely amazing. But what was really crazy was that during the middle of our fall festival on Friday night, we had a tornado warning. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So we've got this festival in town, which brings, like, tens of thousands of people that aren't normally here. Like, our, Mm. our teeny tiny town turns into like a festival town. There's campers, there's camping, there's tents everywhere. And because we're local and we help out with it, like we're down there sweeping the streets and doing all these things late at night to get it all set up for the next day. And so Jared and I got home. It was like 1.30 and we were finally getting ready to go to bed. And Aurora came into our room and was like, hey, my Alexa just told me we need to go to the basement. (laughs) And we both roll over and we're like, what? our Alexa didn't say anything and I'm checking my phone and I'm like, there's no warning on our phone. There's nothing. And I'm listening. And suddenly the wind starts blowing a little bit and then it gets harder. And then like rain is like hitting really hard. And I was like, oh, well, there is a thunderstorm around and that's normally how they form around here is the extreme thunderstorm. So Ran outside because I have baby trees and, like, plants and stuff, like, all around the greenhouse. So I'm out there, like, throwing things in the greenhouse and closing the windows because I don't want the wind to break anything. So that's kind of what I'm worried about at this point. And then after I close the greenhouse doors, I stop, and I can hear the tornado warnings in town. Oh, no. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, time to get everybody up and go to the basement. Uh, Thankfully, it didn't actually hit our town. It would have been 
a disaster oh, because yeah. of all the camping, the campers. Oh, um, man. The rides, like all of that stuff. It would have been terrible. But the fire department did, they opened up the community center and the fire department was driving around with a bullhorn, gathering up all the campers and the people in their camping things to like move them to the community center just in case. But it did hit about five miles from here, like as the crow flies. Yeah. So it did touch down and it did some damage to a friend's farm and it destroyed a few houses, but it didn't like get really close to here where it did any damage. But that was like the closest call we've ever had. And it was nuts. Like we were, we were staring at the weather thing, like going, oh my gosh, is this going to be it? Because they talked about it touching down at the town just north of us. And then we looked at the, you know, it's got the red radar, like the red map. We're like in it. And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) But all was well. It was, it cleared up within 30 minutes here anyways. Yeah. It did destroy a house and do a little bit of property damage, but it mostly just scared a whole lot of people. And that was the closest one we've had since I've lived here. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure that that's not going to be our last one. But now I'm getting better at recognizing the signs for when one is possible. So it's thunderstorms during times when the weather is rapidly changing. So it had been 75 or 80 here on Friday. Mm -hmm. And the next day was forecasted to be 60. Ah. And we had thunderstorms right in the middle of that. So it's like the perfect recipe for them to mix up. And in areas that aren't used to a ton of tornadoes, but do get them, that's a good way to kind of have a heads up on whether or not you might be looking out for one that night. (laughs) Or, you know, your daughter's creepy Alexa (laughs) tips you Oh my gosh. Well, Jared was like, why didn't our Alexa tell us? And we checked it and it was because he had turned it all the way down. (laughs) So if Aurora's Alexa didn't go off, do you think you would have just slept through it? Um, maybe the wind probably would have woken me up and I would have had to go out to the greenhouse anyways because I just I'm a worrier like that. Yeah. I don't want to lose all my trees and plants and stuff to right. like, you know, one night of damage. And plus uh greenhouses are can be really picky about wind. They're super strong, but you have to close the windows and the doors during big windstorms oh. because if they're all open those big gusts, if they get in to the inside, they just blow it apart. Oh. So there needs to be, yeah, so you need to protect the wind from getting inside of the yeah. greenhouse, essentially, is what you're trying to do. Because my greenhouse has withstood some crazy wind, but only with the door and the windows closed. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is your can't even this week? Hopefully not as scary as my tornado. <laughs> no, no. Mine's more... Just literal can't even, because it seems so stupid to me, but maybe I just don't understand the rules. Okay, so it's that time of year. People are growing big-ass pumpkins, and they're going to competitions. So there was a Wisconsin man who grew the heaviest pumpkin in the country this fall, weighing in at 2,520 pounds, but... It will not be going into any record books because it was disqualified from the competition. What? There was a fingernail-sized crack in it, and that disqualified it. I didn't know that there were rules about stuff like that. Me neither. And that sounds crazy because basically internal pressures, maybe an awkward way that it grew, it can cause a crack. And it's something that tiny, tiny, like somebody's like really in there inspecting your pumpkin, your very, very large pumpkin. 
And yeah, you put all that work in, there's a little crack, you're done. Disqualified. And like, I guess if, if it's got to be a pristine, perfect pumpkin, okay. But like, you're hauling this 2,500-pound pumpkin. You're, it's going on a forklift. You're moving it around like... And you're, you can't even get a finger nail size crack in it. Like, oh my gosh. And what's even crazier is that the winner gets $9 a pound. <coughs> oh my gosh, what? Yes. So he missed out on $20,000. Oh my gosh. Because of a finger nail size crack. That is so much money. Like, I almost choked on my yeah. coffee. <laughs> Yeah. I was calculating that really quick and I was like, what? That's what they get? <laughs> Nine dollars a pound. Man. Oh my gosh. That's like what a pumpkin goes for here. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, well that's such a bummer. Yes. Yeah, it seems almost impossible that you wouldn't end up with some sort of nick in it. Guess you handle with care. Yeah. My pumpkins with Nick's, I don't save in the basement because I'm afraid of rotting. But I usually leave them outside and I'll crack them open and save the seeds yeah. out of them. Because, you know, they're still useful for something. Or I'll, we'll still eat them if I get to them before they rot. Yeah. <laughs> but, gosh. Yeah, I don't know that I had any pumpkins that were, like, perfect. But I guess I didn't grow them for that, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. My, the rabbits got some, a lot of mine. But <laughs> jerks. <laughs> you need a rabbit crow. No, wait, a rabbit scare. I just mixed up all those words. <laughs> a rabbit scarecrow. Maybe it's like a, a rabbit, like a taxidermied rabbit with laser eyes. Yeah. That emits high pitch frequencies that I can't hear, but the rabbits can hear. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. I like it. I hope I painted a picture for everybody. More scarecrows with lasers? I don't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you send us your can't evens. The best way to do that is post them in our Facebook group, We Drink and We Farm Things. Use the hashtag can't even. We try to find most of those and put them in a mini-sode. Should have a mini-sode out to you guys next week. So if you have a spooky one, uh, make sure you drop it in there as soon as possible so we can talk about it this month. If you're not on Facebook, you can absolutely email those to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And be sure and leave us a review because we read one review a week on the podcast. And then we draw a winner every month that will win an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. And make sure that you leave your Instagram handle in the review so that we can find you. Yes. So we'll find you. No review this week, though. And I don't think we've really had too many this month. So we have one more regular episode, boys and girls. So go leave your review. Do it. (laughs) And while you're on your phone leaving a review, you might as well go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash drinkandfarm, and sign up to get access to our Straight No Chaser series. This is for our patrons at the $5 level or above. It's just short, fun series that we do. It comes out weekly, so you get more of us. Who doesn't want that? I mean... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that don't, but... <laughs> You're probably not listening at this point. True, true. 
So be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because this helps more people like you find the podcast. Yes. And if you'd be so kind to do us a favor and share that you're listening to this episode in your stories over on Instagram, and you can tag us at Drink and Farm, we're going to send you a promo code just for that episode. That'll give you a percentage off in the shop, which you want to do because our Halloween and fall line is amazing. And our Christmas, well, Christmas holiday stuff is coming out very, very soon, too. Yep. So make sure you take a look at the show notes. You'll find links to our resource for this episode, along with a anonymous survey to tell us how we're doing, all of our social media goodness, and our merch shop. So that's it. That's it. And until next time. Drink. Farm. And give zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things.